This morning, I would like to read a portion of scripture. Um, If y'all would please turn with me to the 13th chapter of Acts. And um, in the chapter here, Paul is going out preaching the word. Um, we know that the, Paul is the apostle, and apostle means sent. And he was definitely sent from the Lord. We know, um, we know uh, if you go back a few chapters, back to the ninth chapter of Acts, it goes into his account of when Saul of Tarsus, when he got struck down. He wasn't looking for the Lord. He was going on to carry out the law and to go on because he was a Pharisee and thought that that's, you know, um, thought he was right at that time, you know, thinking that there was some way, some kind of work that we can do for our eternal salvation, which we know that that's not, the Scripture teaches us that that's not true, um, that it's all upon Christ's blood. And uh, how Paul, the, the, uh, the Lord strikes Paul down on that Damascus road and how he blinds him. And then as he comes to him as a little child, as Jesus said, we all should come to him as a little child. But I want to start reading this morning. Um, I want to start reading in the 14th verse. And Paul here at this time, he is, in, um, he is going and he's in Persada. He, he's, they came to Antioch. Uh, let me back up here. I started verse 14. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Persada and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And that's pretty much tradition you read on through all the different accounts on how on the Sabbath day, and then Paul, when he was going around traveling, how he would go into the Sabbath day, and, um, and they would have the reading of the law, which at this time, they still had just the Old Testament scriptures. Um, <clears throat> and, after the reading of, and after the reading of the law and the prophets... The rulers of the synagogue sent, uh, sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation, exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up, and beckoning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give attendance. And it's, you know, Paul here is preaching to a multitude, it's a multitude of people in there, um, he has, he's speaking as when he says here at first, the men of Israel, which would be all the um, natural Jews, which would be a Jew descent. And then he says here at the, the last part of that verse, ye that fear God, give audience. Now we know that that's not the same thing. And we know that according to the scriptures over here in um, the third chapter of Galatians, if I can find it. Over here on the third chapter, which that's a very good chapter if you're not familiar with, to familiarize yourself with that. But Paul is reading here, and in the 16th verse, he says, Now to Abraham and his seed were, prom- were the promises made. He saith not, and to, Abraham- and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And then I'll jump on down to the 29th verse of that chapter, and it says, If ye be Christ." then are ye Abraham's seed and the heirs according to promise. Which you know you have um, physical Israel and then you have spiritual Israel. And all of his elect, all of his chosen, the ones who Christ paid the debt and shed his blood and died for everyone that was given to him from the Father before the foundation of the earth, he paid that debt and secured them that day on Calvary. And he, and he within 
the time of that person being born to the time they pass away, that within that time, it will be re- he will reveal himself unto them. And we do fear the Lord. Um, for we know that we realize that when that work has been done in our heart to know that there is no good in us and that there is nothing, we have no hope, that we are depraved sinners, that it all comes from Christ and it rests upon him. And we know that that is evidence of being born again. And we know that that is a fruit of the Spirit, as well as other things in the fifth chapter of Galatians in the 22nd verse will tell you the fruit of the Spirit, which is faith, hope, temperance, meekness, and uh, long-suffering, and some other there. I am not ex- don't have all those pro- quite programmed in a, to memorize them. But, um, but Paul here is, is telling these men, so you can imagine it's a multitude of men coming in here, and so he's specifically speaking to the men of Israel, to the general public, and then he's speaking to those that fear God. Now Christ, when Christ spoke, we know a lot of times that he spoke in parables. And he spoke in parables because it, not everyone understood. He didn't want everyone to understand what he was saying. And even times the apostles had to keep asking him afterwards, what, what does this mean? What does this mean, Lord? You know, and he it was, they didn't have the same understanding the three and a half years that they walked with Christ as they did after the day, um, after the day when Christ had risen and had given the day of Pentecost when Christ, and he told the apostles to go to Jerusalem and wait for the power on high. From that, from when they received the power on high, you can see it in the scriptures how different all the apostles were. They, they, had, they knew, you know, they understood. It clicked on what he, what, Christ had preached to them for three and a half years. <clears throat> the God of, <clears throat> the God of th- this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt and with the high arm brought them out of it. Now Paul here is going to go back and refresh the, man, the memory of these men that are sitting here. And of course they are familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, and we are very familiar with what Paul is getting ready to break down in these um, verses coming up. And it's all a recount of all these things that you can see the power and the providence of the Lord pulling them out and doing these things. It's It's the power of his own hand. And the people of Israel at that time were unbelief. They didn't have any faith. They didn't have anything. When they crossed the Red Sea, Moses was the only one who had the faith to bring them across. They thought they had seen all these wonderful miracles happen, seen all these things and how they were delivered. And then when they get down to the Red Sea, how that the Lord had delivered them from all these things, and then they get down there and they're like, oh, you just brought us here to die. You just brought us here. We could have died in Egypt. But that was little faith, ye of little faith. And Moses told them to stand still and watch the power of the Lord. And, you know, they, over and over and over, the, the things of unbelief. And that's how we are a lot of times. That's, I mean, we are exactly like, those, like the children, the Hebrew children. You know, we think we're going along good, and then bam, we're down here, and it's just a constant cycle, you know. We might have faith now, and today everything's good, but after a little while, Satan keeps wearing on us, and things get to, to us, and... Uh, you know, we must remember that we can to call upon the Lord to pray to Him that He will He will deliver us as He delivered as He delivered the uh, Hebrew children. 
And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And we're very familiar with them walking around in the wilderness for forty years. They, um, you know, they had, when they sent the, the spies, I believe it was only Caleb and Joshua, when they came back for report, said that they could take the land, and all the rest of them said that they couldn't. So they ended up not, and that punished them for 40 years to roam around in the wilderness. More unbelief. Um, <clears throat> and it's also funny how when, not funny, but when you look at it, how Moses and how the Lord had the whole, I mean, what was it, a million and a half or more people in the wilderness going around from day to day. When Moses goes upon the mount and God sends him off to go die, and Joshua is now in charge, three days they go right into the land of Cana. Isn't that funny how that, you know... But that's the Lord working in his, in his own way, sovereign. He can do as he wants. He can do as he pleases. He's a sovereign God. No one can steady as his hand and to ask him, what doest thou? And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Chana, Chana he divided their land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And we're very familiar with that. You go back to Judges, um, you know, with, with Gideon there and uh, Deborah and how that the Hebrew people, they wanted, they wanted a judge. They had judges, but then they decided that they wanted a king, an earthly king. And then that's when um, the Lord is, uh, Saul is anointed and he is, the, he, he is the first king. But I missed something here. It says unto Samuel, the prophet, and Samuel was the first prophet that had been for a long time. The Lord, if you go back and read the first part of 1 Samuel, when Samuel was a young boy, you read about how that was, which every child when they're born is a miracle. But you really see and go back and see how Hannah prayed to the Lord, how her womb was barren, and the Lord blessed her with a child. And when she had that child, she told the Lord that I will give him back to thee. And when he was... A toddler, it says, the scripture says once he was weaned, she took him and he um, stayed with Eli, the high priest. And she only saw him once a year every time when it was back, when they were allotted, uh, the time came to the yearly sacrifice. And then, so um, Samuel lived there with, with Eli and ministered and grew in strength and knowledge. And um, Samuel had a, had a long life. He went from through there, uh, through King Saul, through part of King David, I believe, um, and was a is a very good example on how you know we can go back and look at his accounts uh, from Samuel as a prophet. And afterwards, they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto him David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. David had a... It's interesting on how all the different accounts on David. We all are familiar about a lot of things on David's account. 
Um, you know, when the when Israel was trying to or was going up against the Philistines for battle, they were so scared, and they were all the men were feared had fear from the Philistines and Goliath and the mighty warrior he was and his size. Well, here comes little David, young shepherd boy. I think his scripture says young boy, 13, 14, somewhere around there, I think. Um, and he had been, which David was very much so a picture of type of Christ. He was a shepherd. Shepherds, uh, and we go on into John and other places, he talks about the good shepherd, and Christ is the good shepherd. And all of his, that are, all the sheep that are his, he will see that they are all taken care of. Not one will be lost. Not one will be gone. If they go astray, he will chastise you and whip you back into the fold and bring us all there. But um, when David... He, was, he, he grew up as a shepherd boy, and a good shepherd would lay his life down for the, for the fold. And David was delivered from a bear. He killed a bear, and he killed a lion. And those were all things that God had delivered him, and he knew that God was the one who had delivered him through these, through these um, <clears throat> events. And that, you know... We just rest in the Lord and trust in Him. He, he'll take care of us. That's, I know it sounds doesn't sound like it's that hard, but it's a very hard thing to do. It's hard for me to do. You know, you're going along and you think everything's fine, and then bam, there's Satan right there. And you know, going that gives me another thought. Um, in the fourth chapter of Matthew, we read, in the first part, you read about how Christ went his first ministry and he goes in the wilderness, and he's tempted by the devil for 40 days. Can you imagine the devil is tempting Christ and how powerful he was? We knew that Christ has power over him, that the devil, you know, is a puppet, and Christ uses him as he sees fit. Um, but for Christ, for the devil to tempt Christ like that, don't think he won't tempt us and how powerful his temptation is on us at times and how we, you know, I know it's, it's hard. It's very hard, but... You know, we just, when things get down like that, we have to remember that we can call on the Lord to, to get us out of these things. But going back to David, being, um, being the good shepherd, and then he goes forth and slays Goliath. You know, and that's all, which the Lord tells us over and over and over again, to fear not, to fear not. You know, if we rest in him and trust him, do as he says. Do as he says. You know, we should be about the Father's business. That's what Christ was about. When the whole time he was here, he was about doing the Father's will, and he did it exactly perfect. <clears throat> of this man's seed had God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. And thank the Lord for that. He was the only man, or... I should say he was he took on the role of man while he was here, his deity. He was in Hebrews it says he was made a little bit lower than the angels. Well we know that the angels can't die, but we know that the father we know that the father sent him as the propitiation for his own for his people to pay the debt. For if you want to stand in front of the father, 
You have to be perfect. And there's no one on planet Earth that's ever been here that was perfect except for one, and that was Jesus Christ. And he's the only one. He is the sacrificial lamb, this lamb of no spot and no blemish, just as in the picture of the Old Testament when they did sacrifices, they always had to have a lamb of the first year, no spot, no blemish. And that was a picture of Christ because he was going to be the one who would come here in that appointed time to feel that, <clears throat> to feel that um, all of what the Father gave him, fulfilling all that, and to making the atonement and the sacrifice to Christ for us. And without that, we would be in, in really bad trouble. And the best thing of it was is that when Christ was hanging on the cross on this low ground and when he gave up the ghost and told the Father that it was finished, he had finished everything, every jot and tittle that was given to him by the Father. And we know that he was, his body was in the earth, the heart of the earth, for three days and three nights. And that when the Father called him forth in, resurrect, in his resurrection on that third day and sealed all of it, that assured the blessed hope for us that we have to know one day that when we leave this earth, if the Lord doesn't come first and get us, that we will be with our Father in glory. And that we will be up there in spirit, and we will not be there until the glorified body, until the last day of the resurrection, which Christ will gather all of us together and um, as we will be with him forever in glory in a perfect glorified body and glorified mind and everything, we will be just like him, made just like him. To have that joint, to have the blessed hope to be the joint heir of Christ, that, that, should, just that should just wipe all your worldly tears and all that junk away. For in Revelation, um, it was written that there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be none of that, no more death. Christ overcame all that death. We won't die no more. Our bodies will be separated and we'll go in the ground, but our soul never dies. It goes straight back to the Lord when, after, when we take our last breath here and our, our spirit goes back to the Lord, it'll be there with Him. We're still alive until that last day to when He resurrects our body. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And we're familiar with that, how, how John came before. And he, he said that he was not worthy to latch at the shoe of Christ. And John jumped for joy. John was another one, I believe, um, with a, another miracle, as you would say, or as you would say, um, for his, his mama was barren as well, as the same as Hannah. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Nothing's impossible for him. He created this world. He spoke this, all this, what we see right now into existence by just speaking. It's done. He's the author and finisher. And as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but behold, there cometh one after me, Whose shoes, of, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. loose. It's a pretty big, pretty big statement. And to think that in the, ooh, I believe it's the third, when Christ is baptized by John, what kind of honor? I mean, 
John knew. He was like, I'm not worthy. But it was, it was ordained for him to do that. That's how Christ had it. And he did. <clears throat> but John was just a man, just like all the rest of us. He was just a, he was a depraved sinner, saved by the grace of God. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you that feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. And he's telling them all these things to remind them and to tell them the good news that Christ paid that debt for you. You hear him, you hear his word, then you, that's, that's evidence of, of being one of his. To hear him. And when we hear the Father's voice, we should do what he says. But if we don't, it's always trouble. It's always, it's not good. As I said, we uh, look at it again back to the metaphor of sheep. You know, sheep aren't fed, they aren't taken care of, they go astray. They go here, they go yonder. And, uh, but Christ won't let you get too far. He, he whips you on back in there. He brings you on back in. For they that dwell <clears throat> at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And he's telling them, hey, y'all had this. You, this has all been prophesied. Y'all come in here every Sabbath day and study the scriptures and know the Old Testament. But they didn't understand. They didn't. It was right there in front of them. But they, you see what they did to him on Calvary. But it had to be done. As I said, it had to be done. That debt had to be paid. If not, where would we be? It wouldn't be, wouldn't be good. And though they found no fault, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, and though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. He went back and forth, back and forth on trial, went from here, went in front of Pilate, went back. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. It was the Jews. The Jews were the ones who were stirring it up. The, um, I guess it's the Sanhedrin. Uh, they kept stirring it up and, oh no, this man is, you know, selling, telling all these false things about him. And, and uh, the blood, the blood was on their hands. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took down from the tree and laid him in the sepulcher. For his body is there, hanging on the cross. He's already said that he's given up the ghost. <clears throat> and they take him down. And all these people, the Sanhedrin, all these men, the Pharisees, all of them thought, hey, We've gotten rid of this man, Jesus. He caused all this trouble, stirred up all the people, the multitudes, had them all worked up. We've gotten rid of this problem. He's, he's dead because no other man had, had come forth to their knowledge. You know, I mean, there was a case in, um, couple of cases in the Old Testament, like with um, Elijah, when he resurrected the widow woman's son. But this was different. They laid him in the sepulchre. But this verse right here, but God raised him from the dead. 
That's the power right there. If it wasn't for God raising him on that third day, we wouldn't have his hope. He wouldn't have, beat, he wouldn't have overcome death, Satan, hell, grave, all these things. I'm so glad that he did. I'm so glad that we serve the Almighty God, the true living God, who we come here to worship in spirit and in truth. Not some God of some man or some man's doctrine or some false. Look at all the old false gods that they had and the false gods today. You think about all the people, and this might sound kind of harsh, but think about the people that aren't here today that are doing other things. Isn't that a form of idolatry? Isn't that a form of worshiping, putting, <clears throat> putting things in front of the Lord? He's number one. He's what we should rest on. He's <clears throat> he is it. We should seek to to honor him and to obey him. I try, but I know I don't always always fall up or always um, meet the mark, which I know none of us ever do. Doesn't seem like. But Christ knows that. He also wants us to, if we have brethren that's down, we need to help the brethren. We need to help another one who's, you know, look at what Christ did. Look at all the people that he healed and just walking along and seeing this man here and he cried out and helped him. That's what we should do. That's charity. It's love. <clears throat> And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And there, and, oh, excuse me, who are his witnesses unto the people? <clears throat> and we know that, <coughs> excuse me, we know that uh, about 40 days after Christ was risen out of the tomb, he was here and uh, was seen seen by the apostles, seen by about 500, I believe, at one time. We declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. And it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. If Paul hadn't have been going around spreading this, great, this wonderful gospel, that's what he's doing. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing is telling. Look at when Christ performed different miracles on folks, he would tell them, go tell them what I have done for you. Go tell them what I have done. He, one time I think he said, come see what I have done. Sometimes when I look back and see the things, and I know it's as Paul writes of that thorn in his side, and I see it too, and things, I look back, and it's, I might be going down the road, and you know everything's fine, and then I think of something that I did 10 years ago, something stupid, and I look back, and I'm like, what in the world? Why? I just didn't know any better. It wasn't revealed to me. The Lord hadn't revealed Himself to me yet. And I'm so thankful that He did, and to realize that there's nothing, nothing but to rest on Him. No hope, no hope but in him. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, 
I will give you the sure mercies of David. What, what a blessing. What a blessing to, for his mercies that the Lord pours out on us. Man, we deserve a whole lot worse than what we get. A whole lot. And you know, I believe it is in the 73rd Psalm. If you read that account, through, or read that portion of Scripture, you'll see how the psalmist was kind of wandering, wanting after the lust of the flesh. And how he was seeing how these wicked men and how they had no fear of him and them and how they, you know, even died well. And But you go on towards the end of that psalm, on the end of that psalm, he's a fool. He realizes that the lost man, this is the best that they'll ever know on this earth. To a child of God, this is the worst that we'll ever know. Because where we're going and what's promised for us, that eternal hope, that glory to be with Christ forever, to praise Him and adore Him, surely overweighs all this here. Uh, the Scriptures say that we're only here for a little while. We're sojourning here. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. You know, I, I look forward to that day. I, you know, I know that when the time comes that the Lord will call me. You know, and I know that there's plenty of work here to, to be done. You know, there are all these good good works that Christ tells us about in the scriptures that we need to that we should do and carry on the day to day. He said, If you love me, obey my commandments. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And we know that all the corruption will be gone. That final day, the, um, oh, I believe it's in Corinthians, that mortality will put on immortality, corruption will put on incorruption. Uh, it's a few more things there I don't remember at all off the top of my head. It's, it's a pile of stuff. <laughs> For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep. And was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. As Christ, as Christ, you know, was the Holy One, our mediator, the God man. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that thou that though this man is preached unto you for the Forgiveness of sins. By him, all that he believed are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. The law, as I said, was fulfilled on Calvary. How great is that to know, and how thankful are we that we don't have to go to a high priest to worship the Lord anymore? It's in here. We are able, as children of His, to call upon the Lord on any time. As I said, to pray to Him. Times before, if you wanted to worship the Lord, you had to go to the high priest, you had to have a sacrifice, and it was a ceremonial law, and it was a lot of other things that had to, steps that had to go on. Thank the Lord that we don't have that anymore. We can just go straight to Him. 
for he makes intercession for us through the Father. Beware, therefore, lest that, lest that come unto you which is spoken of in prophecy. Behold, ye despisers, and wander and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye, <clears throat> which ye shall in no wise believe, through a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought these, that these words might be preached to them on the next Sabbath. So the Gentiles, service is over, and the Gentiles have heard, they haven't heard this, you know, because they don't, they're not, they weren't given the law. And they've heard this, and they are, this is wonderful news. And they want him to come back and preach again. And that's, you know, that's an example of filling out an appointment. You know, how we were asked, as I was asked, to come here and preach, speak for y'all this morning. It's all through the will of the Lord. Now, when the congregation was broke up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes, proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. I forgot to mention that, that Barnabas was with Paul at this <clears throat> at uh, Poseidon, which most of the time it was, he at least had Barnabas or somebody else. It was normally two of them that went out. <clears throat> the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. There again, we have another uh, instance of the Jews trying to stir up trouble, trying to have division and strife. You know, they just couldn't let it go, just couldn't, couldn't hear what they, you know, the wonderful news that Paul had to tell them. It had to be something, which they did the same thing to Christ. I mean, they did it to all of us, or to all the apostles and to Christ, <clears throat> trying to stir up, get them worked up, you know. Men do that, to, <laughs> do that to me sometimes and do it to us, I know. You know, you get in a conversation and going back and, and things just try to get you round up just try to you know get a rise out of you then paul and barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of god should first have been spoken to you but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy for of everlasting life lo we turn to the gentiles and christ told them that christ it's prophesied in the old testament that the gospel was to be given to the lost sheep of Israel first, but then to the Gentiles, because he has a people out of every kindred, nation, and tongue everywhere. So hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest before, before salvation unto the ends of the earth. And that's what Paul was known for and the, uh, some of the other apostles, but he was mainly known for preaching to the Gentiles. We see a lot of his... Uh, most of the epistles and everything in the New Testament are written to the are to the Gentiles, and I'm I'm tickled pink that he <laughs> that he gave it to us Gentiles, because uh, if not, there again we'd be in a we'd be in a rough shape. But thank thank the Lord that that was his um his providence, and as it says in John that he will rise up or uh, raise up all that the Father has given him on the last day. <clears throat> and when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many was ordained, 
as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And a lot of people, we, you know, they, they think that it's, um, and it's taught a lot that it's contradictory to the scriptures, but that there's something that you can do to get, to grab, to have eternal life. But that was established way before any of us. That was back before the, in the old covenant, before the foundation of the earth. And it's proof right here. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. He's going to have to be, you are chosen of him before. And as I said, within the time of being born to the time of your death, within that time, Lord will reveal himself to you and you will be able to hear his word and to hear the gospel. If not, you know, there's a lot of times we <clears throat> you go on and you just don't hear it. Well, then it wasn't revealed to him. And that's from the Lord's doing. He, he chooses who he whose ears he opens and who he doesn't. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. Pretty much run them off. And, uh, but the Lord had told them, the apostles, when he gives them the first commission, that those who do not take heed and do not listen to his word, to knock the dust off and keep on going. And that's what they did. And then it says here in verse 51, But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and how, how uh, reassuring is that and wonderful through that portion of Scripture right there to know that we have the blessed hope to one day be with our Lord and Savior. May the Lord bless y'all.